Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to episode 106 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And this week, I'll be playing the role of Smooth Jazz Sam from Fowser Consulting. It's always a fabulous episode when Smooth Jazz Sam shows up. So let's uh, let's jump in. Uh, for those of you listening to the podcast for the first time, you'll find that Sam and I do extensive pre-show prep to ensure the best listening experience for those of you on the other side of this fabulous microphone, the pre-show prep for this episode is extensive, potentially measuring in the nanoseconds. So Sam, let's jump in to scheduling. Can we? Can we talk scheduling a little bit? We can, but first I'd like to throw a shout out because um, we're going to throw these out on YouTube eventually, and I'm guessing this one will be there. And I'd just like you to notice the beautiful Travis Matthews hat that my good friend, Dennis Ryan, unknowingly gifted to me. Wait, when someone unknowingly gifts something, isn't it more that you borrowed it unknowingly? No, borrow would indicate that there's an intention of returning and there is zero intention. In fact, we were at Whittier Narrows in beautiful California playing golf, and I had neglected to bring a hat. And I saw this hat in his trunk, and I said, I'm going to wear that. I didn't ask if I could wear it. I said, I'm going to wear that. And when we got done with the round, he said, can I have my hat back? And I said, it's got my DNA in it now. I, I believe it's mine. So, Dennis, thanks. Um, still wearing it. Just got off the course. And... I'm proud to say that my golf game is getting much better uh, because my price per stroke continues to go down. I have absolutely no idea what any of that meant that you just said. For those of you that <laughs> golf, you understand that I did not have a good morning on the course because you pay a greens fee, Drew. And then if you take that greens fee and divide it by the number of shots, if your price per shot is going down, that means your number of shots is going up. And in golf, unfortunately for me, high score does not win because I would have been a champion today if it did. And, you know, golf is an interesting sport, too, because it's probably the only thing we measure in lowness wins as opposed to highness wins. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, the less shots you take, the, the better you are, or, or so I've heard. I've never really experienced that. Uh, but it's... Um, I learned today something about golf, and that is, do you know why they call it golf? The real answer is probably something to do with Scotland, yada, 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 but you're going to give me a fabulous one-liner, so why don't you go ahead and do that? Because all the other four-letter words were taken. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so scheduling. Actually, actually, I want to go back into, into golf for a minute. Okay. For the listeners, as a 6'8 left-handed person, golf has never been something I could actually afford to do. Left-handed clubs are hard to come by, and at six foot eight, I would imagine that finding uh, golf clubs that you can actually reach the ground with would also be a challenge. Well, and 
again, I'm, I'm not a golfer, but I did dabble in physics decades ago. And the longer the, the longer the shaft of the club, the more it will sway, which means the more it'll, um, deviate be where you want it to be. Thank you. Uh, once you're about to hit the ball. So I'm a beginner golfer and I'm going to have a longer shaft, which means that the head's not going to be where I want it to be, which makes it so much more difficult by a larger distance. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the, there's also an upside to that longer shaft, which means that your club head speed, if you're able to put it where you want it to is much faster because of the larger arc that it's traveling. I was at a golf tournament once and Bill Lambeer was there who you share similar height with. And he was able to put the club head where he wanted it. And I'm telling you what, that guy was hitting some bombs. I mean, he was driving the ball and it didn't even look like he was swinging it hard. And it was going 350, 360, which for golfers, you know, that's amazing. I hit, I hit a drive today that I was super proud of. And I thought it went a mile and a half and it measured out 222 which at 58 years old doesn't suck. And it was down the middle. So I was really happy with that. But this dude's hitting them 340, 350, like they're nothing. And uh, it was it was pretty incredible. All right, I'm just going to stick with this for just a minute. So back, gosh, more than 25 years ago, uh, a buddy who was an avid golfer took me to a driving range and let me borrow his right-handed clubs because, well, our listeners may not know this, but although I'm left-handed, I am weirdly ambidextrous in sports like basketball i'm predominantly lefty but baseball I play right-handed okay like i'm 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 all over the place sure from a handedness standpoint so he gives me his right-handed clubs i'm used to a right-handed baseball swing so fine and and i'm doing what every other extremely tall person does the first time they hold a real golf club and it's not putt putt which is i'm topping the ball because also i don't want to drive his club into the ground and snap it so there's that weird fear in the back of my head it's not my club so I'm topping all these balls and I'm just like six foot, six foot, six foot. Right. And he's like, okay, do this, do this, do this. And I hit a couple that like get airborne and, and a fabulous, it's a slice, right? If, if it's going to my left, uh, if it's going to your life left, that would be a hook. If it goes to your right, that would be a slice. Fabulous hook. I mean, we're talking like, like I could hit people behind me kind of hook. Wow. That's impressive. And he gives me a couple more. And I'm like a bucket of balls. I'm just going through and, and I hit one, I hit one, Sam. Yeah. And, and everybody knew it because you yeah. hear that, yeah. that, that gunshot sound, oh, yeah. right? Uh-huh. 310, 310. And he looked at me and said a couple four letter words that are not the word golf and took the clubs away. <laughs> what he should have done was said, that was an amazing shot. You're a natural. Let's go play for money. Because you hit one out of 60. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 And when I do top golf, it's the same thing. It's, it's top it, top it, top it. And I'll click one and everybody goes, Ooh, and I'm like, yeah, no, dude, it's more luck. Like, yeah, I have to hit so many thousands of balls to ever get anything. It's amazing. I was playing with a good friend from high school yesterday and I was practicing my performance coaching skills. He had the best round he's had in a long, long time. And he said it was all due to the coaching. And I really wasn't coaching his golf swing. I was more teaching him how to get around the course and think about this shot, setting up the next shot, which a lot of amateurs don't do. They just try to hit it as far as they can without thinking about 
where it's going to go, where it's going to land, how much you're going to have on the next shot. Yeah, checkers versus chess. Yeah, exactly. It was uh, it was fun when he started to play chess and he started to get it. So that was good. Now, if I could just do that for myself today, I was I was piling on bad decisions on top of bad shots, which always ends well. All right. So that should loop me back into the scheduling conversation because golf is about being efficient. It is. Fewer shots win, which means the more efficient you are, the more you're rewarded. Absolutely. Literally the only sport that's like that. If you think basketball, football, anything else, like it's, it's volume, right? If we just keep throwing the ball sooner or later, it'll be a touchdown. If we just keep shooting the ball sooner or later, we'll get the, the basket. If we just keep shooting the puck sooner or later, we'll get a goal. Like everything else is about volume and hope for the best where golf is about strategy and efficiency. Yeah. And golf, I want my S P L H to be very low. My, my shots per labor hour. Yes. I was, I was, yeah, I figured that's where that was going, but okay. Sam, as a previous member of the corporate infrastructure of America, did you ever use a tool called Outlook? Um, not only did I used to use a tool called Outlook, I currently use a tool called Outlook. And I do as well. It's super fantastic for things like Calendly for me, where I can book client calls and we both know when to show up for the call. Right. For you yourself, how much do you book your time? Like, do you book your time on your own calendar? Like, uh, today I'm going to use an hour and a half reviewing this PowerPoint deck, or I'm going to do 30 minutes of, I don't know, learning about chat GPT that Drew talked about in the last episode. Like, like, what is it? Do you book your time like that on your own calendar? So. It's funny you should ask that because probably six months ago, I think we talked about time blocking, which is something that, that you do so that you can decide if you can move stuff around. And when we had that conversation, I thought to myself, this is a great idea. I'm going to do it. And I have not done it. Um, I've gotten much better at keeping a calendar around my workshops so that when clients call me, I can decide whether or not I've got time to book them, uh, but I need to get much better at time blocking my work that's not a workshop-related thing because I think that would increase my efficiency exponentially. I don't know if that was the answer you're looking for, but... No, 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 it actually is. I have, I have struggled my entire professional career with building a calendar. Yes. I either vastly underestimate the amount of time something will take, yes. or I vastly overestimate the amount of time something will take. Let me ask you this. When you've disciplined yourself to do it, do you find that you become more efficient? Yes and no. I find that I increase my stress. So this is where I was going. Oh, okay. For some people, that calendar tool will be a lifesaver and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe I haven't done this for my life. For others, may I, may I suggest a different path? And if you're listening and you're a store manager, this is probably an easier path for you to take. So right now, Lucas is laughing at us. Okay, why is that? Well, every time we say, if you're listening. Yeah. I mean, if they're not, they're not hearing us. <laughs> so we don't really need to say, if you're listening, is, is what Lucas is having a little chuckle to himself about right now. I understand the way he's thinking of it. Sure. I also know the way that I listen to podcasts. And once you. I get into something with work or if I'm reading something, I've missed the last 40 minutes of a podcast. Right. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So, so if you're tuned in and you're not listening, come back to us now. 
Yep. Yep. Time to time to reel it back in and okay. just hear me out for a sec. What if you went for agenda based instead? Meaning instead of me scheduling 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, which when I'm talking with clients or when we're recording a Zoom call, really useful. But if it's just me, I need to accomplish X, Y, and Z today. And do I really care how long it takes or when it gets done? No, I'm with you. And, and that's for me, I would call that a prioritized list. I've got these things that need to get done. This is the most important. However long it takes is how long it takes. However much I get done on the list is how much I get done on the list. That has always worked really well for me. Scheduling to the nth minute, I think would drive me batty. I've tried to be that person. I had a client talk with me that, that uh, some supervisors are having a really hard time building out their schedules. And I was like, okay, then don't get stuck on building out a schedule. Get stuck on what do you want to accomplish today? Yes. 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 Oh my gosh. I don't know if I can get nine visits in or 12 visits in or 15 visits in. That's cool. Today, get these two things done. And if you get these two things done today and you do two things a day over five days, you're going to get 10 things done. Guess what? That'll be 10 really good visits. Yes. And if you're a store manager today, just do one more thing. Just use the prep forecast, just assign roles, just have a crew team huddle before the rush starts. Like just do one thing. Yes. Train that team member. Do one thing. Yes. Instead of worrying about, I'll do it at two o'clock. Or from two to three, I will write a food order. Nope, I'm going to make a food order today and I can't leave till it's done. Work today is not done till these or this thing is complete. Correct. Depending on the way your mind works, when I used to teach the scheduling part and like game day visits decades ago at corporate, I would have people who are like, I cannot schedule. And Sam, you would fall in this group, that high eye disc profile, right? I cannot schedule every visit on a Friday, every hour. Oh my God, you're going to drive me nuts. I'm just going to put game day in for six hours in every store and that'll be fine. Because that sometimes that level of detail drives people a little bonkers. Of course. Okay. Spin it around the other way. My agenda meeting today is I'm going to see every store I supervise before rush. Okay. Now you might need to do a little bit of math. I have drive time. I've got to start at 10 a.m. so I can get them all. Whatever. Fine. At the end of the day, the thing that you need to get done is still done. Yes. If you schedule it every 30 minutes or if you say, I need to get this done by then, right? I say this just because for the, the client that called me and said supervisors are having a hard time building a schedule, I think the rebuttal is it's not about the schedule. It's about what are you getting done? Because if we're having a hard time building a schedule for a supervisor, we're in the same place as doing the OA, right? Everybody's got to do a self-OA every week and it becomes a checkbox instead of actually what it's supposed to be. And so I don't want a schedule to ever be a checkbox. The schedule can't be, look, I built my schedule. It has to be something you can actually do. So if it's too hard for you to write in visits at 11, visits at 12, visits at one, or I'm going to visit these three stores on this day, then just do it as agenda-based or priority-based. What is it I have to get done today before my day can be done? And if that's three things or six things, you know who you are. And so I like what you're saying. Let me let me run by you what what I tell multi-unit managers about scheduling. And to me, you should have three lists. You've got the list of everything that needs to get done. Everything. You've got a list of what 
has to get done this week, come heck or high water. No matter what happens, this one thing per store needs to get done. And then every day you should look at your big everything list and your visits should have a purpose and there should be one or two things that happen on those visits. I, I get, um, I, I don't know that frustrated is the right word, but I think that there's a lot of multi-unit supervisors out there that are waking up and waiting to see what happens instead of waking up and going out and making something happen. And to your point, if they've scheduled out the whole day, there's no time in there for when things do happen. And we all know things are going to happen that are going to take you off task. But if you've got that list of one thing that has to happen this week and you get back to that, or you've got that list of two things that have to happen on this visit, then when you go in, you can take care of their needs first, which I think is really important. And then you get to your list. I mean, my goodness gracious, if you, if you were, a five, six, seven store multi-unit supervisor, and you got one thing done, completely done, to the root cause every single week, imagine where you'd be a year from now. And Sam, when I teach it, it's virtually the same. I have my, what I call the priority list, because that's all the things that come up during the week and things you have to get done during the week. And it's how you build your schedule for next week, because I have this list of stuff. And then I have my action items. Those are the things that, you know, who does what by when that I've either assigned to stores or the stores have kind of assigned to me because I'm whatever the gatekeeper for maintenance or whatever that is. Right. And same deal. Like the bigger issue I'm running into is, is not the schedule, but those lists don't exist. And it's really hard to make that schedule if I don't have that list, whether it's by the hour or by the to do item. Well, it's impossible to prioritize your things if you don't know what all your things are. And I, I think it's important to schedule some time each and every week where you're, your phone's turned off, you're in a quiet place, and you're looking at that list with purpose. And you are present with the list and you're making great decisions on what's most important so that you can then put plans behind those priorities and start to take action. I mean, for me, if I've got a bunch of stuff to do, there have been times where I get overwhelmed with the amount of stuff and it's tough for me to get started on anything. And I think what ha I understand that philosophy as well. Yeah. And I think what's really important if you have this list is that then you just start because you know, you're getting something done that's important. You know, I just got to, I, for those of you that know me pretty well, um, I enjoy riding bikes. I don't do it nearly as much as I should, but I follow this guy that does performance coaching when it comes to mountain biking. And his email yesterday was all about this. He, he said, you've got to sit down once a week and you've got to plan your rides for the next week or they're not going to happen. And I would say the same thing is for multi-unit supervisors. You've got to plan what it is you want to accomplish this week. Because no matter where you're at, you're probably nowhere near where you want to be. So at the end of the week, if you haven't decided that this one thing has to get done in store X, when it does get done, then you can celebrate and you can, you know, you can have some of those organic carrots and you can celebrate because something got done and you're making progress. You know, I, I talk to guys all the time that 
are not celebrating their progress and they're just constantly in the dumps because they haven't hit their goals. And, you know, I'm a big believer that if you, if you're a general store manager and you take over a store, that's got a 45 minute ADD, ADT, if you get it down to 40, that's a win. If you get it down to 38, that's another win. Is it where you want to be? Of course not, but you're making that incremental sustainable progress and and you should be celebrating that with the team and letting them know instead of just being disappointed that you're not at 18 yet so foosball season begins soon and and this is the difference between winning the super bowl and getting a first down i can't really ever win the super bowl if i don't get a first down so i have to make progress and i have to move forward before i can hit the big goal and that moving forward part allows me to build the processes which there's all sorts of books out there um i mean atomic habits that we keep talking about where the processes matter almost more than the goal because you're going to move the goal but the process is what keeps you moving forward i don't think the process is almost more important than the goal i think the process is way more important than the goal yeah, sorry. It's poor phrasing on my part. I believe you should have a goal because you need to know what the target is so you can build the processes to the goal. Yes. But we're on the same page. Yep. Hey, speaking of football, can we just end the season right now? Oh, with both our teams like on good mo- moments? We're both undefeated. I'm, I and the preseason matters. Let's let's just make that perfectly clear. For all of you real football fans that say the preseason doesn't matter, the Jets and the Lions are 1 and 0 as of this taping which is probably going to change by the time it drops. Jets are one and one. Oh, they are? Yeah, oh, they lost to the Browns were... in that that Hall of Fame game. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. The Lions are one and oh, I think. That's how much of a fan I am. I don't even really know. But yeah, let's just end the season now. For years, I stopped looking at preseason past the first quarter because most of the guys that play after the first quarter aren't going to be on the team, right? Mm. So what's the score at the end of the first quarter? Did my backups beat your backups? You're saying that kickoff return that I got in on late in the fourth quarter, I'm I'm not going to make the squad. Probably not. No. Oh. I mean, maybe you get lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for a while there, um, if you were a season ticket holder and you were one of the first 80 people there, you got to suit up. Terrible. All right. So what have you learned on this fabulous podcast today, Sam? Well, this is what I've learned. I think that... What we covered was super important and will help people gain that all important momentum to get them closer and closer to the goals that their franchisees have set forward. And that is you should have lists of things that you need to get done. You should be constantly prioritizing and reprioritizing based on the needs of the business. If you are a multi-unit supervisor, you should set aside one thing each and every week for each and every store that has to happen no matter what. On your visits, you should have a couple of things that you want to happen when you go in. Your visits should have purpose. If you're a general manager, the same is for you. You should have lists of things that need to get done. And then I think the other thing for the general managers is they should also be thinking about what I think is their most important role. And to me, the most important role of a general manager is developing their replacement and creating their bench. So as you're looking at these lists of priorities, you should be also thinking about the gaps in knowledge that your assistant managers have and how can you, A, knock out these priorities that are so important and B, help develop your team by delegating and following up on those things. That's kind of where I'm at. I threw that last one in because it 
kind of rolled into my head as I was doing the recap. And that's why I was giving you a quizzical look because it's a recap and you're like, let me add this that we haven't talked about to the recap. So thanks so much for that. I've been known to do that. Is this, is this the first episode? No, no, it is not. Uh, for the listeners, if you're curious and you're looking for some technology to use for that list, go easy. Don't make this more difficult on yourself. If you're an iPhone user, just use iNotes. If you're an Android user, I'm a OneNote fan. OneNote will go between your phone and your computer, just like iNotes will if you're a Mac user. If you're looking for something different and you're looking for something for your organization, there's a thing called Notion. Maybe we'll put a link to it at the, uh, in, the, in the body of the podcast. But Notion allows you to have multiple users and you can share documents and share lists. So as a supervisor, I could actually assign tasks to managers. Managers could assign tasks to me. My franchisee could see all the tasks. We could actually put documentation out there too, you know, like a product standard and it's locked in. So you got to log into stuff. Notion, if you're interested, that's like next level. First, just start with your own stuff and just write it down somewhere, not on a post-it note in your car. I'm not against a legal pad and a pen. I, the only reason I am at this point is because folks leave those behind all the time and your phone, you don't. The only reason I'm there at this point is the, the legal pad gets left behind. Well, and I'm old, so I'm, you know, I kind of like that paper. Hey, I'm, I'm a huge fan of writing stuff down. Helps you remember it. I'm not, not discounting it. Although I did, um, one last thing, I did upgrade my phone for the first time in six years last week. Yeah, we talked about that when we were talking about brand loyalty. And um, my new phone has a stylus. And as a left-handed person, I generally... I've wanted to use styluses and haven't. And oh my God, the stylus on the phone is amazing. Yeah, you like it, huh? That's awesome. Even for my left-handed scribble. Welcome to 2003. I had styluses back in 2003. I had a stylus back on a PDA back in 99. All right, Sam, wrap this thing up. I, I believe we've only done 65 different tangents on this episode. So as you attempt to wrap it up, I plan to interrupt you at least a couple times to see how many more tangents we can have. So gang, get out there, make yourself some lists, prioritize those things, keep moving the ball down the field, getting those first downs one at a time. And when you get that first down, uh, don't make a fool of yourself. The referee is there to do the first down signal uh, and make progress, make your way down the field and get closer and closer to that goal line. And I think you'll start to feel some more job satisfaction, some more pride in your job because you're making goals and always look back and 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 see where you've been and where you're at you know i saw an interesting meme on the facebook on the spacebook uh it said um the person you were five years ago would be very proud of the person you are now and i think if you make those lists and you keep knocking things off uh, i think the person you will become a year from now and the way your store will run a year from now you will be very proud of that uh, because you'll be making that incremental change. So make some lists, do some prioritizing, sell more pizza, have more fun, all that good stuff. So like us, share us, follow us, subscribe, do all that cool stuff, because that way we see how many people like this and we keep doing them. We would like more followers. Tell your friends, tell your assistants. If you've gotten a pin from one of us and you haven't yet subscribed or followed because we were just like, we trust you. Sure, that's fine then follow us now. 
I'm Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I'm Sam with Fowser Consulting. And before I leave, I forgot to tell you this, Drew. One more tangent. Yeah, one more tangent. I got some very high praise last week at my 40th high school reunion. Congratulations. From classmates who said, hey, we listened to the podcast and you guys don't suck. I want to believe that story. And yet, okay, so so along that tangent, uh, some of my, my kids were promoting the podcast in the beginning and they have friends that listen to the podcast and have now listened all the way through. Isn't that crazy? My kids do not promote the podcast. Uh, one of them edits it and that's all he can stand. Yeah, it's fair. Actually. I so, understand that fully. So thanks for that, Lucas. Crash the boat. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been listening to another fabulous episode, episode number 106 of Drew and Sam talk training. We already told you who we were. We already told you to subscribe. So the last thing left to do is to tell you to go out and sell more pizza and have more fun. That's all, folks.